ready to pour out what they received into us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I want to go ahead and open up in prayer, uh, if you just bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this service, Father. We thank you for your will for this service tonight, Father. I thank you, and I ask you for your help tonight, Holy Spirit, that you would give me uh, utterance, that you give me boldness, Father, to speak forth your words. We want your words and not my words. Your words are the only ones that can help the hearts of the people, Father. And I thank you that everyone that uh, hears these words would not leave this place the same. Father, I thank you for, uh, for Pastor, uh, for Pastor Amber. I thank you, Father, that they'll have a productive and a fruitful trip, Father, that they would be refreshed. And Father, that because of the help and the assistance that they are to Dr. Jacobs, that they would be partakers in his grace, Father, and that we would just get the overflow of that. And we're just so thankful for it, for divine connections that you've hooked them up with, Father. And we just thank you for all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, if you want to go ahead and get your Bibles out, uh, turn to 2 Timothy. We're going to talk about consecration this evening. Amen. And I know this is the Wednesday night crowd, so I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I just ask that you just stay open in your heart, that anything that you hear that uh, lands on you, that you would just take it and run with it. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, I looked up the definition of consecrated and, uh, in the uh, Webster's 1828 Dictionary, and I really liked the definition that it had. Uh, consecrated is to be made sacred by ceremonies or solemn rites, separated from a common to a sacred use, devoted or dedicated to the service and worship of God, made venerable, which means to be treated with awe and honor. Now, the first part of that, that it said it was, is to be made sacred. So it doesn't just happen, all right? I like, I like reading Christian satire articles online that I'll see, uh, and there was one that was kind of making fun of the evolution-type mentality, and it said, uh, scientists have just discovered that iPhone uh, manifested by itself. It just suddenly just came to be. And it's just making fun of how they think we, infinitely more advanced than an iPhone, how we just came to be. We just arrived out of nothing. Amen. We know, of course, uh, no, that's true. But uh, to be consecrated, you have to be made sacred. And to be taken and to be separated from something that's common and made into something that is devoted to something holy, something that is worthy of God and, and worthy of the call that he's placed on our lives. Amen. It's like a tree. You know, you've got a common regular tree. And that thing can be just a regular piece of paper, or it can be a beautiful masterpiece, artwork. I mean, the Mona Lisa, the paper that, I mean, that was once a plant. That was, I don't know what exactly it's made of, but that was once a tree at one point, and now it's a beautiful masterpiece. Amen? But it reminded me of this scripture in 2 Timothy, uh, in verse, uh, chapter 2, in verse 20, and this will be familiar to all of you, I'm sure. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. There's a couple things that stand out when I read that, things that I see myself in, because I want to know what I need to do. I know God's got his part covered. I need to know what I need to do. So it says, if a man, that's us, that's me. A man or a woman. All right, ladies, you're involved in, you're in that too. Purge himself. There's our assignment. That's what we're supposed to do right there. 
And then it says that we are made into a vessel unto honor. And that's the reward. That's what we're after. And we know how God honors. We know God's a too much God. We know he's a pour it till it's overflowing and then he's not going to stop, even if you beg him and plead him to stop. Amen. That's just how he honors. That's just how he does. But we have to be involved in making changes to ourselves in order to be consecrated, in order to be sanctified. And so I'm just going to go over a few things tonight that that, that includes, that, that uh, are, are important points of being consecrated to God uh, in, in a couple different areas. So number one, if you want to go ahead and go to 1 Peter in chapter 2, 1 Peter 2. Now I'm experimenting with a new, at the behest of the Holy Ghost, I'm experimenting with a new uh, note system tonight. So uh, I'm just relying on him a little more than I normally do. So, uh, and I appreciate any of your help that uh, of you responding. So uh, we just thank God for help. Amen. First Peter chapter 2 and uh, verse number 9. So the first thing is, when it comes to being consecrated, there's a separation that's involved with being consecrated. And it says in verse 9, it says, But ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I really like the, the phrase that God has called us out of darkness. And that, that shows separation. And I don't know if you know this, but to a natural man, and you'll understand this on some level, separation is a scary thing. In fact, in society past, being separated from your group or from your family was a punishment a lot of times for things that, that you did wrong. If you were back in, even going back into ancient times, if you had a guy that was crazy and he couldn't live with the rest of the tribe, they do what you call ostracize, and they get them out of the camp. And that's a punishment. That's something because they can't live with other people. And that's damaging to people because we're social. God made us to be a family creature, to live in a family unit. You see it in, even as, as close as like the 1950s, Somebody got pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, you know, they weren't married. Their family could disown them. And that was, as far as I know, that was normal back then. Uh, you know, it's, it's more accepted now, and you can debate the merits of both. But uh, to a natural man, separation is a scary idea, just in general. But uh, he also calls us in that verse that we're to be called peculiar people. And I looked up that definition, and uh, I really liked what I got out of that. Again, it's the Webster's 1828. But it says, appropriate, belonging to a person and to him only. And I always thought it just meant weird. It just meant he's kind of strange. But what, that, what it means by that, uh, God calls us to be separated. But it gives, another, it gives an example here that says, talking about a writer, it says almost every writer has a peculiar style, meaning something that's unique to them. Uh, and another one is, most men have manners peculiar to themselves. But... I just like that, that there's a style, and that there's a style about God, and that we ought to have his style about us. He's got a flow. He's got a way that he does things. You look at Jesus' life, the delivering power, uh, a way out in impossible situations, peace. Uh, God's got a style, and it's a style that we want to emulate. Amen? We want to have that style all over us. And that's what it means by being called a peculiar people. You see that style on you. The world can see that style 
on you. And that's something you could ask yourself. Could the outside world, if they looked at you, could they tell that you have God's style about you in how you operate when you need finances, when you need healing in your body? Is there anything different about how you act versus how the world acts? And that's just something you've got to ask yourself. And everybody's at different levels, but uh, just a little litmus test. But that's part of separation is being recognized as being outside, being apart from a group. Amen? And yeah, some people might think you're weird in that. They may, they may think you're peculiar in, in the weird way. But that's okay, amen? You're in good company. That's what Jesus said. You're in good company if you're getting persecuted for his sake. But uh, when you think about, say, a precious metal in nature, the one thing, Disney movies always make nature look like it's this majestic, wonderful, heavenly landscape. And then, yeah, Dad's laughing. He knows. And you go out in the woods in the summertime and try to walk through the woods that's not a cut trail, and it's just misery. And there's thorns and thistles. Just like it says in Genesis, it's just misery out there. But nothing's ever in a nice, neat little package in nature. You know, even precious metals, you get them out of the earth, you pull a giant chunk, it's not a gold bar with the Fort Knox stamp on it when you pull it out of the earth. It's got all kinds of dirt and rocks and everything just crammed into it. It's all in one, and you have to get the good out, and you got to get rid of the bad. And the way you do that to separate them is you got to put them in something, and you got to turn the heat up. Amen? And that's what we have to do. Turn the heat up in our lives for what we, how much we esteem the Word, how much we pray in the Spirit, how much we, uh, how much we give. Just turn that heat up. And eventually, once it gets hot enough, that gold separates out. And those other materials, they got different melting points. Then you can separate that gold out and you have that pure thing. So separation, I, I just got this from the Spirit, separation leads to purification. When you're separate from the world, that means you're not convoluted. You don't have parts of them in you. You're something pure and set apart and of, your, of God's. Not of your own, but of God. Something pure and holy. Amen. Uh, and so here are just, this is just three quick little areas, uh, key areas as far as separation that you need to distance yourself from. So distance yourself from wrong relationships is uh, what I would say is number one. Wrong relationships. The devil, to throw you, to throw your life off, to throw you off track, he'll send a person. He can send a person to throw you off. And you know, God bless them. You love them. It could be family. It could be your best friend. Uh, you have to just make that call. You, have, you just have to be led. But you need to distance yourself from wrong relationships. Relationships that diminish the things of God, that diminish church, that diminish giving. I've heard people say, oh, you, you give too much to that church. You ought to, you know, just, you can give them fellowship, but just keep your distance. Right. Amen. Another area is distance yourself from wrong habits. This is a huge one. This is a whole sermon series by, by itself here. Because we all know, especially with, you know, these and phones and, I mean, there's just all kinds of habits out there that keep you from spiritual things. And uh, that's just another area you have, to, you have to make time for spiritual things. Amen. And if that gets into your, uh, that gets into your habit time, that gets into your hobby time, well, that's just the price you got to pay. Amen? Amen. Amen. You got to distance yourself from wrong thinking. 
even uh, innocent things, like, uh, like I was saying, like how you respond when you have a cough. If you say, it's just a cough, I'll take some cough syrup. Even that is less, is less of a standard than what God has for us. Because he says we're healed. Cough isn't healed. So even something little like that, just, just be aware of your thinking and distance yourself from those thoughts. Amen? Another area, if you want to go ahead and turn, uh, let's see, where's my next scripture here? Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 4. Uh, I just had in my heart to just go over some things just in daily life that, uh, that we need to be set apart in. Amen? Uh, thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> uh, the, number one, the number one thing, I, and this is from pastor ministering in healing school recently, is uh, we need to be set apart and what we speak, and how we talk. I just, I love the quote from Pastor, your words are the most important thing. The words you speak are the most important thing in your life. And if you doubt that, Proverbs uh, 25, 28, it says a man who doesn't have his words under control, his, his spirit, his breath under control, uh, he's like a city with his walls broken down. Mm-hmm. Amen. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So the word is pretty clear that your words are extremely important. I mean, you can't get saved without words if you have a doubt of their importance. You can believe all you want, but it says when you confess Jesus and him crucified. Amen? Only by that are you saved. So your words are extremely important. And I don't want to get too heady, but I had heard this in the past, and I thought it was interesting. And it might, I don't know, it might help you to kind of visualize. But, um, and I don't even remember who said it. But what are, when you, when you speak a word out of your mouth physically, what is that? Does anybody know? What, what is a word when it comes out of your mouth? It's a vibration. That's right. So when you speak, your vocal cords are vibrating, and your brain's just controlling what words are being put out. And uh, I remember in science class in high school, we talked about atoms. And that in an atom, which is the building block of all life, it's the building block of your body, of the molecules in the air, uh, everything. Everything natural in this world has got atoms that build it up. And in an atom, you have protons, neutrons, and those make up the center, and then you have the electrons. And in, the, in all the models, it always shows the electrons in a nice, even pattern like the solar system, just rotating around, and it's just a flat, just rotating around. But scientists, they haven't actually seen an atom but they're saying now that it's more likely that instead of that nice rotation, that it's really just those electrons just going, just going all over the place. Just, and what they're doing is they're vibrating. And so words are vibrations. The building blocks of everything in the natural world are being held together by vibrations. So your words, and you know, like I said, I don't want to get too heady, but if that helps you to visualize that your words have power. When you speak, God made all this. He knew what he was doing when he made it. When he made atoms. When he made your vocal cords. And that's probably that's why he made it like, it like he did, I'm sure. So, if that helps anybody, amen. I know it helped me just to, just to think, you know, speaking to, like I said, molecules in the air, speaking to a storm. That's vibrations. It's all just, amen. Amen. Uh, we need to be uh, set apart in what we hear. What we allow into our ear, into the gate of our ear. Amen? Mm-hmm. Music's a big one. I, don't t- I can't tell you how many times 
I'll listen to a carnal song and it's just full of doubt, it's full of unbelief, it's full of the wrong things to say, and it just rolls out of my, it just comes out just so easy because it's got a beat to it. It's got a, a nice uh, melody line or tagline to it. And I just, I just say just be careful when it comes to what kind of music you listen to. Again, even something similar. Satan, before he fell, he was the minister of music. He knows what music is. He knows everything about it in and out, and he knows its power and what it can do to you, what it can do to your heart, what it can do to your mind. So just keep that in mind. And Pastor Nancy says that if you, this is a quote from her, that listening to music that doesn't have the anointing on it, it deadens your ability to recognize anointed music. Amen. And the anointing, that's what, that's what breaks the yoke. Guns and Roses, listen to that, can't get you healed, as far as I know. You know, they might have some, Slash might have some good uh, solos, but it's not getting you healed. But the anointing, that can get you healed. Amen. Um, another, another point that the Holy Spirit brought out to me was that faith, faith comes by hearing. It says that in Hebrews. But uh, I was just thinking, if faith can come by hearing, what other things can come by hearing? We were in Colorado elk hunting back in, like, I think it was 2009 or 2008. And um, I remember sitting on a trail, and I thought, oh, this is a, probably an, an elk could walk down through here. This is a nice trail. He could just walk right through here. It'd be great. And then eventually I started thinking, wait, what else could walk down this trail <laughs> if it's that easy? Right. Maybe a bear could come walking right around this corner, walking down this trail. So it's evident the word that, that what you hear is important. That that's how faith comes. But just keep in mind, other things can come by what you hear. Amen. By what you're hearing. Uh, we need to be separating what we see, what we allow our eyes to look on. Um, and again, this is a whole other sermon series. Uh, movies, TV shows, um, even, again, I keep saying it, it's even something innocent, seemingly innocent, can wear you down, can get you thinking wrong about certain things. I mean, you can't turn on a show today without there being some kind of homosexual character or some kind of, it just, it's just everywhere now. It's kind of comical, really, that uh, they always say, yeah, we're fighting, we're fighting to get heard and we're fighting for our rights. And it's like, guys, you guys are on Coca-Cola commercials. You can't get any more mainstream than being on Coca-Cola commercials. It's like, come on, you got every TV show, you, you, you like are taking it over. So, But I digress. <laughs> but what we see, movies, TV, uh, huge one, pornography, is, I mean, that Conquer series that we had done, and, and whenever you, we have it up again, men, if you haven't been through it, I definitely recommend going through it, because... I think the guy sums it up well in that, that it's a nuclear bomb aimed at the heart of man, aimed at the heart of a man. And it just, I mean, it's dangerous. It is extremely dangerous. And uh, even how we look at people in public of the opposite sex, or even how we look at them and think about them, whether we look down on them and think they're less than us, whether we look up to them and idolize somebody, some kind of actor or something. We just need to be aware of these things. Amen? But what we see and what we allow ourselves to look at. Uh, the fourth thing is what we do with our bodies. There's a litany, all kinds of scriptures about what you're supposed to do with your body. Present your body a living sacrifice. Uh, if you sow to the flesh, 
you're going to reap corruption in the flesh. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. Uh, John 5, and the man in the, at the pool of Bethesda, I don't know what he did to get in that condition, but when Jesus healed him, he told him to go and sin no more. I don't know what his sin was, but sin can lead to things like that. Amen? Uh, what you do with your body, what you allow your body to uh, engage in, what you indulge in, what you allow your body to experience, can aid in a bed the enemy getting into your life and just wreaking havoc, especially on your body, especially in in terms of uh, sickness and disease and frailty, all of that, amen? So just be be careful with your body, amen? Uh, Another one, big one, is your reputation and accountability in your life. This is one that I'm very thankful. In our church here, we have very accountable uh, very honorable pastors that have very high standards of their conduct. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I'm very thankful for it, that this church has a reputation for doing things right in that area. And you want to protect your reputation. And when you think about it, the, the Holy Spirit gave me this, just think about what God thinks about his reputation. That when he told Adam, if you eat this fruit, you're going to die in that same day. His man... And his woman that he made lovingly, that's his family. He cares about it more than anything, than anything. And they do that. And because he cares so much about his reputation, about his word that he said, he had to follow through with it and allow that to happen. That's how much God cares about his reputation and his justice and his righteousness. And that should be an example to us. Amen. That it's an important thing to have a reputation to have a word that someone can rely on. I remember, it's got benefits too. I remember I was, uh, oh, you know the story? Yeah, she already knows the story. Yeah, I was uh, driving maybe a little over the speed limit, maybe 80 and a 55, something like that. Uh, On the way home from school, you know, I was in high school and I was ready to get home. And so I'm in my little, I'm in my Chevy Impala just zooming 80 miles an hour and I go past this, it's a little white car I see pulling up. Just seemed pretty innocent. And I drive by and I just see the blue bar on the top. And it's not a typical cop car. It's just a blue bar on the top. And I thought, oh, no. And uh, so I start slowing down immediately. Of course, you try to be good immediately. You start slowing down. You're looking in your rearview mirror. And then I just see him in the middle of this road. There's, there's nothing to turn off onto. And he goes, and he starts coming after me. And I see those lights on. And I think, in all my wisdom, as a 17-year-old or whatever I was, I'll just get up around this corner, and I'll just gun it, and I'll, I can get past him. I, I, can, I can get around a corner in time, and he'll just go past me. So, so I tried that. I repented of this, of course. This is, this is all in the past. It's old news. But, uh, yeah, I just sped. And if you know our road going to our house, I mean, it's just a long. There's, I don't know what I was thinking. There's no turns. I mean, it's just straight. There's some hills, but it's just straight. And eventually I see he's, he's coming up behind me, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to lose him. So I decide I'm going to stop and just play dumb. And so he gets out, and he's, you know, asked for license and registration. And uh, he said, yeah, uh, I think he was on to. I think he knew. He said, yeah, you didn't seem like you wanted to stop back there, I noticed. <laughs> and I said, oh, officer, I, yeah, I just, I didn't see your lights. I'm lying, <laughs> trying to get out of it. I didn't see the lights. 
And uh, yeah, I just, I'm sorry, I, I shouldn't have done that. I should have paid more attention. And then he's looking at my license, and he says, oh, is, uh, does your family live up here on the county line? And uh, your mom drives, and then whatever car she was driving at the time. And I said, yeah, that's them. He says, okay, here you go. Here, have a good day. And because of the reputation of my family that they worked hard to get, I got out of something, even though I was definitely in the wrong. And I, was, I could have got a ticket. And I think he knew that, but he was like, okay, it's, it's a good family. He's a, he's a good kid. So that's an example. Your reputation can get you some benefits. Or you may be thinking that's some small-town corruption, or I don't know. But Yeah, that's, that's all I've ever gotten out of, so just, just so you know. Amen. Uh, yeah, you guys are in Matthew 4, right? Everybody's there? I gave you enough time if you're not there by now. But um, let me see where I'm at here. Where's this last one? Oh, that was the end of, of that point there about reputation and accountability. Um, oh, another thing I want, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstaining from all appearance of evil. There's nothing that can destroy, especially today's climate. I mean, you look at there, there's nothing that can destroy reputation faster than just a flippant accusation out there. So you have to protect yourself as best you can. Amen. Always have accountability. Uh, you know, just common sense things. You guys know. I, I trust that you guys know. But Vice President Pence, I mean, he got in a lot of, he got a lot of heat over that when he, would, when he told uh, the ladies that he was working with, I'm not going to meet with you alone unless my wife's with me. I'm not doing that. And he just got put through the ringer on the new. I mean, they didn't like that at all. They thought, oh, that's archaic. That's... But then it's funny because everybody that I talked to said, uh, yeah, my pastor does that. And I, I do that too most times. I think it's just good wisdom. So, yeah, even if somebody might think you're silly or weird, just, you just stick with it. Amen. Amen. But uh, uh, the, the last area here that we need to be consecrated in and set apart is God's plan for our life, his overall plan for our life. Amen. And that's attached to the ministry, of course. But I'm just speaking of individually uh, the plan that God has for our lives. And I know that we all have fantastic plans for our lives. You know, if we had it our way, it'd just be sunshine and rainbows, and we would just do so, so good. If we had everything we wanted, uh, we would just do such a good job with our lives. But consecration, it's not just about accepting the plan and thinking, I want that end goal. That's what I want. I want that ministry. Uh, I want to uh, be a missionary. Or I want to just be in helps and help. It's not about that end goal. But part of consecration, a big part, is doing it and accepting doing it His way. And that the journey to it is His way. And it's not just, oh, well, I can accomplish it this way too, Father, so I'll just go around your way and do it my own way. But it's about doing it His way. And I'm just going to say, sometimes it's good for you to be told no. Amen? It's good to be told no. Even, and I'll clarify this, even by circumstances, sometimes it's good for you to be told no. And I say that because uh, James says that you should count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations and circumstances. Because when you are told no by circumstances, that don't mean you have to accept that no, but it's good to be told no. Because then within, within you, you got to say, okay, well, I'm going to have to strengthen this on the inside, my inner man, and I'm going to have to overcome this thing that's telling me no. And that's the, that's the beauty of doing it God's way, getting his plan God's way. Not only do you get the end result, but you get it, and you're better 
You're stronger. You're more capable because of it. Because you're doing it His way. Amen. Because circumstances tell you no, and you say no right back. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it's good for you to be told no sometimes. It doesn't feel good. It never feels good when you want what you want, and somebody or something's not letting you have it. But it's always better to do it God's way and take that no and just push right through it. Amen. Not run away from it. But uh, in uh, Matthew 4, 8, I just, this is an example in Jesus' life of this principle. And it says in uh, verse 8, it says, again, this is in the temptations in the wilderness where uh, Satan was tempting Jesus. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And says unto him, all these things will I give thee if you will fall down and worship me right there. So, I can't remember who said this, but I thought this was profound what they said. But this, Satan giving Jesus this offer is basically giving him a way to win the earth back without having to go to the cross. Because if Satan gave up his dominion of the earth to Jesus, it would be just like back in... I mean, I'm assuming, be like back in the garden. But it wouldn't, I don't know how that would work out, but it wasn't the right way to do it, amen. And Jesus, thank, thank the Lord, he, he said no to that. But just notice two things about that offer of, of Satan giving Jesus the option of getting out of the cross. It was quicker, it would have been right there. No need to go living on this earth, or, or you know, in, in poverty, or not in poverty, in uh, you know, walking everywhere, I guess it would be considered poverty today, walking places, uh, having to be hungry still, being in a, a body. Um, it'd just be quicker and easier just to do it right then, just fall down and worship him. That'd be a lot easier than going to the cross. And that's always Satan's way. He wants to do it quick. He wants to do it easy. Amen. And those things are, we love quick and easy, us humans. We love it. Uh, it reminds me of this story of this uh, guy that made automobiles. And this was back when they, I think in the early 1900s, this is back when they transported automobiles by train. And he, I don't know what made him think of it, but he looked at how many automobiles he could get on a train. And he decided, if I cut this much uh, length off of these cars with the width of this, with the length of this train car, if I cut just a little bit off of each one, I can get a whole other train. I can get a whole other car on this train. Amen. And uh, to us, that's like, wow, that's a genius. That's really smart. Yeah, because he's getting, instead of four cars, he's getting delivered. He's delivering five cars, selling five cars. Amen. And that's kind of our mindset on the earth is well, how we can do it quicker, cheaper, easier. That's the way to do it. Less energy, uh, more bang for your buck. That's what we're all about. But uh, later on, in, in, if you'll go to Matthew 26, later on we see that Jesus was uh, lamenting going to the cross, naturally. And uh, I don't think anyone in this room could blame him. Uh, I know he had access to Isaiah and the prophecies about the Messiah, and I, I don't blame him at all for, for wanting to get out of it if he could. But in uh, chapter 26, verse 39, it says, and he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So Jesus knew that in order to get the world back, he had to do it that right way, that one way. 
And that was the Father's way. And even if you read a little bit on in, in, uh, in verse 42, he's asking again, he said a second time, if, if, I, can, if, some, if I can pass this on, uh, I will, but if not, then your will be done. Amen. He's consecrating himself fully in a way we can't even imagine to the will of God and to his plan. And like I said, there's a call on your life. You may have visions about what that is. You may have the stirring in your heart of what that is. And you may even, on some level, be able to get to that end, to get to that end result, that, that plan that God has on your own. Who knows? Maybe you could. But doing it God's way, uh, it's not, like I said, it's not only going to get you to that end, but it's going to make you better once you're at the end of it. I just think about this building project. We have different pastors, much different pastors now than we did back on Jackson Street because of just the miraculous putting that amount of financing and that, I think it was $1.2 million on 60 people at that time. I mean, just a tremendous act of faith from our pastors. And like I said, we have different pastors because of it improved, upgraded, amen. And they could have, I'm sure if pastor would have taken the the church growth model, we have a charismatic pastor. We have a pastor that knows the word, amen. And uh, if he wanted to and wanted to go the church growth model, I'm sure he could do good going like that. But that's not the right way. And they took the tough, but the right way. And now we're here in this building uh, on the other side of some things, and they're better for it. We're better for it as a congregation. Amen. Tremendously better. We're upgraded. But, uh, but God, he's given us tools to do things the right way. And I just implore you to lean on the Holy Spirit every day. Just to lean on him. Get his input on things. Even small things. Get his input on it. I like to think of it. You can try to figure out God's plan in your head. What you, what you need to do next. But uh, we work with blueprints here at the church a lot. We have drawings that we had an architect draw up. And if you look at them, I mean, it's just chicken scratch as far as I can tell. I can't. I mean, you see the basic idea of the outline of the building, but there's numbers and there's letters and letters and numbers, and you don't know what's going on. And I'll have a, like an air conditioning plan, and I'll hand it to the AC guy, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And he just knows exactly what's going on on those plans. And that's like the Holy Spirit. He, he can read the blueprint. Amen. He can read the blueprint and say, okay, yeah, so here we need to have this kind of fixture. And here, this needs to be that. And this needs to be a two-inch pipe here. And, amen. And he wants to help you to read that blueprint for your life. Amen. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's really the gist of it when it comes to the call that he has on our life. We just need to be consecrated to not only do it, but to do it His way. Amen. Because that's the way you get the fruit that, uh, that's going to be expected of you. Amen. And we may not have a plan uh, you know, as significant as Jesus. Obviously, Jesus, He's on another level. Amen. But we still have a significant call on our lives. Everybody, everyone in here. And we're responsible for the, expected, for the fruit of that call. So just as a, a last-minute thing, we're called... Number one, to be separate. Even when it seems like we're losing out, even when it seems like we're losing friends and we're out on our own, we're called to be separate, to be separated. We're called to daily, in our daily lives, 
submit to his word, and submit to love. Amen? And the final thing, we're called to fulfill the plan that he has for us and to do it his way. Amen? Amen. Well, I mean, that's all uh, that I have for tonight. Uh, I was just helped preparing today.